Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The List. Since last time we spoke, I'm a year older and a couple thousand dollars poorer. As always, my name is Brett, and on the other end of the tin cannon string is Jordan. Jordan, how was sunny San Diego for you? Sunny San Diego was beautiful. Uh, I uh, talked uh, to some people that were upset that they didn't have a football team anymore. Um, and I watched our Dolphins win um, and got to watch our Dolphins win three hours earlier than the people on the East Coast. Not too bad. Not a bad way to spend a Black Friday. And of course, producing as always is Zach Jackson. He will always troll me about Michigan. But counterpoint, he supports Syracuse, so he can just shut up. But it's been a good week. Well, bittersweet week uh, for me and for you, Jordan, as a Miami fan, but also for me as a Michigan fan. Um, We'll start with me being selfish since it was my birthday and then work our way back since everybody cares about the Dolphins most. But Michigan came out, beat Ohio State, going on to the Big Ten championship game. Jordan, if you didn't know, we are going to be picking that game later this week. Hope you don't have a problem with that. Oh, I'm sure we will. Yep. Uh, of course, the bad thing, this kind of affects the Dolphins, too. For anybody who knows, Zach Zinter, one of the top guard prospects in the draft, had a very gruesome leg injury, tore, uh, broke his tibia and fibula. Uh, Going to be a long recovery course, but it does seem, sound like he will be able to play, uh, but still quite the downer way for that game to go. Uh, yeah, but that was also... It's almost like, it's almost like college football is a game of attrition. Um, just as much as it is a game of, of skill. So it's tough to see a guy go down like that, and uh, you hope he's going to be okay. But, Brett, I'm sitting here thinking, you, you made a comment just now that you want to pick uh, the Michigan-Iowa game this week. Can we have Mr. S, uh, when he puts together the board, can we also add a prop bet as to whether Iowa will hit their over for their team total? Do you know what their team total is in Vegas for the amount of points Vegas thinks they're going to score this weekend? I can do math uh, if I need to, but last I saw Michigan was like a 21-point favorite, and the total for both teams was like 35. Um, so I was over under uh, for their team total the last I saw was six and a half. Yeah, we'll see. That is that is going to be quite the game. Eric All, who transferred from Michigan to Iowa, is their leading receiver, and he's been out since October, the first week of October. That tells you how bad the Iowa offense is. They they won eleven games, averaging eighteen points. Is this Brian Ferentz, second to last game he's ever coaching there? Is that his name, Brian? Brian the, Ferentz. The son? Yep. yep. Yeah. So this is his second to last game. Yep. All right. He's maybe he's going to bring out the shots, the explosives. Uh, I'd like to see where it comes from because they, they don't have much of that. Uh, they are built around the run game and the tight ends. Uh, but also to go along with college, something you called a couple weeks ago. Texas A&M has a new head coach, and it is our boy down at Duke, Mike Elko. Yeah, that was just a, a pairing that made a lot of sense. Um, Mike Elko had been in line for for kind of an upgrade. Um, he had the defensive coordinator role at uh, Texas A&M. Um, we both talked about, and we thought the most important part um, of the guy they hire uh, is going to be somebody that understands Texas A&M and understands Texas A&M in a spot where um, they are in the state of Texas. Um, and I think they got a guy that did that understands just that. I think it's a great hire. Um, I don't think the success is going to be there next year, um, but I think they're definitely headed in the right direction as a program. 
Funny story. Did you hear that he was actually uh, the rumor on Reddit is that he was the second choice, and the first choice that was all but locked up was uh, Mark Stoops from Kentucky. Uh, but apparently, the rumor, at least from the Kentucky insiders, is that uh, they were going to offer him the exact same deal Jimbo Fisher had, and the uh, board of directors put a squash to that real quick. Are you surprised? No, I'm not. Uh, Stoops is a solid coach. You can't downplay what he's done at Kentucky. That is a tough place to win, especially in football and the SEC. But you don't fire Jimbo Fisher and give him the money, the money, literally the money you just fired him or giving him to stay away and give it to someone at Mark Stoops who is good, but that's probably not what you make the move for. No, I think if you're going to spend that amount of money on a new coach, um, it's got to be somebody a little bit bigger than Mark Stoops. Yep. And of course, no no disrespect. I think he's a great coach. Like you said, what he's done at Kentucky is amazing. Um, But that's not the guy you give all that money for. No. And then, of course, the other coaching news, uh, Michigan State actually hired the Oregon State head coach, Jonathan Smith, to be their head coach. Uh, Jonathan Smith is a former starting quarterback for Oregon State, was actually the quarterback for TJ Hushmanzada and Chad Johnson, I learned this week. But uh, good coach. The question there is he's the farthest east he's coached is Boise State, so he's not familiar with Michigan at all, the Midwest at all, really. But good guy. He built a program in Corvallis. And with all the scandals that have been around Michigan State the last couple years, all the arrests, the rape rape scandals, the cover-ups, you need someone who is going to come in and actually rebuild the program. I don't think he's going to get to the levels Mark D'Antonio had them at, but being that second level three, four loss, occasionally one or two loss team competing for the big 10 is doable in my opinion with, uh, with Smith as the coach. Yeah. I think that Smith will at least come in and bring back, or at least keep that sense of physicality. Um, I think that that's something Michigan State prides itself on. Um, as a Big Ten school, I mean, most of those schools are physical. Uh, but I think it's a good hire. It'll be interesting to see how he does. Um, I could see them being very, very active in the transfer portal um, in the short term, especially with how he did with uh, my favorite name to say every week, Yui Ungalale or whatever it is. Um, I, I think that it's a great decision. Um, by Michigan State to go out of the program. Um, somebody new, somebody fresh. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how it works out. Yep. No, but I agree. And there's a couple other jobs I'll be interested to see. Oregon State is one I think will be interesting. It's no longer a Power 5 school, which uh, sucks for them. But a name to watch, uh, going back to Michigan, is actually Jim Harbaugh's son, Jay Harbaugh, who is a former Oregon State assistant uh, and was a student there. So oh, actually was a graduate was a graduate assistant there and wide re- I, I think as a college student he was like assistant wide receiver coach or something so i wouldn't be shocked to see them go back since he he knows the school um but there's a couple other jobs as well that have opened up duke and uh, ucla still might be opening up so be interesting to see what happens in the college landscape but talking of coaching changes we had our second nfl job open up today as Frank Reich was hired, uh, Jordan, you and I were talking beforehand. This is something that had to happen. I thought it was a great hire before. I thought he made a bunch of good hires 
on his staff, but it just didn't work out. Yeah, I think that it was just a weird fit from the beginning. Um, I think we both talked about that. A lot like Matt Eberflus in Chicago. Um, it, it was just a weird fit, and it was never destined to really work out. Um, I assume that Frank will take a couple years off or a year off um, and then come back as a positional coach somewhere um, or maybe even a coordinator because um, he's not a bad offensive coordinator. I just think it's, it's a weird fit um, for him in today's landscape, especially how the last two jobs ended. Um, I could see him going uh, back to a team like the Eagles, um, to a team like the Jaguars. Um, I, I think those make sense once their coordinators end up uh, moving forward. Um, but for right now, I, I think his time is done. It'll be interesting to see who takes that Carolina job uh, with uh, no first-round pick, uh, with a lack of weapons. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the direction they go. So the Vegas fa- early favorite is Ben Johnson, who reportedly they won it last year, but Johnson turned down the opportunity to interview for any head coaching job, said he wanted another year's offensive coordinator. Johnson is a former wide receiver at University of North Carolina, so it would be a homecoming for him. As you said, the trade to get ensure they got Bryce Young, short-term didn't work out. I, I see a lot of people saying they took the wrong quarterback. I think you and I can both agree if Stroud and Young switched places, people would be saying they took the wrong quarterback. The situation just ended up being that bad. I don't think Wright helped it. I do think, now they don't have a first-round pick, so that means no Marvin Harrison or a Maserati Marv, as Gus Johnson kept calling him, uh, which was annoying to hear all Saturday. But you have T. Higgins, and I believe, let me pull up, there's a couple good pre-agent wide receivers. So let's see here. One second. Now these may not be 100% accurate because I'm just pulling up from sports track. But you have Curtis Samuels would be a homecoming for him. You have Tyler Boyd, uh, our very own Cedric Wilson. Kendrick Bourne, Odell Beckham Jr., Mike Evans, probably a little too old at this point. Nelson Aguilar, Noah Brown, who's having a solid season, ironically, with C.J. Stroud, Michael Pitt- Pittman Jr. So, oh, Chase Claypool, if we decide not to resign him. So there are going to be options that I think could be better. But, yeah, that, uh, that trade just didn't work out. And I don't think it's because of Bryce Young. It's just that they really overestimated what else they had. Do you really think that any of those um, receivers really would make a difference? over a guy like Adam Thielen, who's already there. You really think it'd be that big of a difference? I think if you can get someone like T. Higgins and give him a bunch of money, I think that would make a bit of a difference because he's just more explosive than a 33-year-old Thielen is. But I also think just getting a more modern NFL scheme can make a difference as well. You don't name a interim coach and then the coach immediately gets rid of the top two offensive assistants so which happened so i think i think it tells you and as we saw the other day uh, yesterday with the steelers they fire matt canada and they immediately for the first game all season outgain their opponents have the most offensive yards they had all season so sometimes it's just you gotta admit that the system's wrong too but yeah i do think just adding a little bit more talent but just changing up the scheme makes a difference too 
Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see now who moves into those positions. Uh, do they kind of bring somebody in? But I don't think Ben Johnson is going to take the Carolina job. Um, I think if he would have taken it, I mean, that was his dream job. I think he would have done it last year. Um, it, it'll be very interesting. I know I said to you before that if there was ever a situation um, that makes even a little bit of sense for Brian Flores, this could be the job. Um, but I, I think that a name like Jim Caldwell, who's already in the building, um, who's an older coach, uh, hasn't been a head coach in a little while. Um, maybe they see him as a little bit of a, a bridge to the next guy. Um, but it's interesting to me uh, that neither Thomas Brown nor um, Ajiro Aviro got a chance uh, to be the head coach because I thought um, Aviro would have been a guy that they liked in that position that they could have given the head coaching job to, especially already being in the building. Yeah, I thought about that too, but you got to remember last year, Vero was offered the uh, interim job when Denver filed, fired Hackett and he turned it down. So most right, Carolina. I'm, I'm interested to see whether he turned it down or if they decided not to give it to him and what that means as far as he's concerned. Um, similar to Ken Dorsey uh, as a head coaching opportunity. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, but just to kind of go, and we'll probably get into this a little bit with the Jets game too, but. Looking at it, we already have Vegas and Carolina open. I'm calling it right now. By the end of the season, there's going to be seven opening NFL head coaching openings at minimum. Before Black Friday or Black Monday or counting Black Monday? Counting Black Monday. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, who do you think the biggest name will be that opens up? Uh, obviously, uh, Brandon Staley. I'm surprised he's not fired yet. Yeah, I thought he was going to get fired today after that game last night. I thought, especially because they have a little bit of an easy schedule coming up, um, I thought that there was a chance uh, that today was going to be the day. Yep, I think uh, – I'm not quite sure what to think of Chicago, but I think Chicago could be as open as early as tomorrow morning as well. Tomorrow morning? You don't think they would have done it today? Uh, no, nah, because they're playing tonight. Fair. Oh, true. Fair. So, um, so maybe by the time you're listening to this, uh, there is another job that opens up. There might be. And speaking of another job, I think we'll open up. Let's segue into our Black Friday game. Miami Dolphins being the New York Jets 34 to 13. Bittersweet. The bad thing, of course, for those who don't know, Jalen Phillips, unfortunately, tore his Achilles you could see it happen right under replay. I always hate seeing that. It's gross just seeing the ligament spin up the leg. Um, tough loss, but I came away very impressed with the team. Uh, so first thing, before we go into the team, Jordan, I know because we were all in our Discord talking during it, the mood changed very quickly when Phillips got hurt. Yeah, it changed very quickly um, where I was. I'm sure where you were uh, in all the group chats I'm in. Um, the, the mood very, very quickly changed. Uh, you hate to see one of your best players go down. And it's crazy that it, that ended up happening because really that was Phillips, I think, most dominant performance uh, that I could remember. He purely dominated from the first snap. Um, at MetLife Stadium took another. Uh, you wish that they would do something about that field. Uh, I hope now that it keeps happening. It's happened a number of times this year, um, especially being that it happened to their quarterback. Um, I wonder if they look to change it. 
Um, I, I wonder if they look to do something to the field. Um, but you hate to see Phillips go down. I hope that he recovers quickly. Um, although I hate the Jets, they're my most hated team. Um, it was nice to see Aaron Rodgers apparently reach out um, and offer up the services of the surgeon that did his surgery. Um, I'd be interested to know, and we're not a medical show, um, but I'd be interesting to, interested to know the effects of that surgery on a younger person like Phillips as opposed to an older person like Rodgers. Um, so I'd be very interesting to, interested to see that. Um, but you got to put your thoughts and prayers out there for Jason Phil- or Jalen Phillips. I pulled a Brett um, and wish him just nothing but a speedy recovery. That's not pulling a Brett because I would have done it without even noticing. And I would have been talking about an actual person. Fair. Very <laughs> but, fair. Uh, but yeah, no, and it sucks. And I think you and I, you and, I and many others were talking. Derek Barnett got waived. We were hoping we put a claim in for him. Unfortunately, we found out right before we started recording that the Texans got him. Uh, that would have been a nice pickup for us, I think. I do think with how Van Ginkle has been playing and how Chubb has been playing, you can get around it, hopefully. And hopefully the Ogba kind of steps up and getting a little bit more of the snaps. But I don't think Phillips is irreplaceable on the defense. He is a big loss with how he's playing, but I think the defense will still play at a high level without him. I think the defense will still play at a high level, but I do think we need to add a depth piece. Um, Now, it's interesting to see where that depth piece is going to come from um, because there's going to be a little maneuvering. I think that you're going to see no more um, of Van Ginkle at inside linebacker um, or very little of it uh, just simply because uh, he's going to have a lot of snaps on the outside. Uh, But in turn, he's going to raise David Long's snap count a little bit more um, than he's been at. I think it'll give Duke Riley some snaps. Uh, I think that's a guy, if we don't add an inside linebacker, um, I think that's a spot you see. Um, And then I think you'll obviously the biggest change will be Van Ginkle playing almost exclusively on the outside. Uh, You might see Ogba's snap count go up. Um, It'll be interesting to see what they do there um, because I think they like him in a limited role, um, at least for the remainder of the regular season. Um, But I'd be fascinated to know by the time people are listening to this, you may know uh, whether we put a claim in or not for Derek Barnett. Um, because if we didn't, um, that means we're confident with what we have. Maybe Cam Good gets called up. Uh, maybe Alexander Johnson gets called up to play a little inside linebacker. Uh, but I don't. I don't know. I don't. I think that the answer lies within Van Ginkle, um, within Agba. Um, but I, I think there will be feelers put out there. Um, I'd be shocked if there weren't at least a couple guys that got worked out this week uh, to see if they they'd be upgrades to what we already have. Yeah, no, me either. But I'm looking at the. Uh... Stats as well. Talking Ogba, I didn't realize he had a he had a sack and a half during that game. Yeah, he played well. That was definitely. But I think our defense as a whole uh, played very very well in that game. I think that that was probably the best defensive game. Um, to me, overall offense, defense, special teams. I know I said this to you, uh, but I think that this was the most um, what I called the most grown up game that the Dolphins have had. I haven't seen the Dolphins from beginning to end, almost like a big brother just putting their hand on the little brother as he swings from just a little bit too far away. Uh, That's what that game reminded me of. And and I think the Dolphins dominated. Um, I think that uh, it's it's a good omen um, and a good thing to see moving forward, at least as far as the next three weeks go. 
Um, I know we're not going to pick the Commanders game, um, but I think the Commanders game, the Titans game, uh, and the Jets game, when we play them the second time, I think those three games will be a lot similar to this Dolphins-Jet game was. Um, and I look forward to uh, seeing us continue to be a dominant football team. Yep. Now, by agreeing, mature was, is the right word because we were talking to before the pick six, which was one of the worst throws I've seen Tua ever make. I was actually very impressed with how Tua was playing up until that point. The second pick it's, is what it is. It was trying to force the ball de- to your best player when you're trying to get into position for a field goal. But the first one, first of all, it was Barrios. The out was not his first read. It looked like Tyreek Hill in the slot was his first read. He didn't take it. Second of all, if you're going to throw that, you need to put as much on it as you can and get that as far outside as you could. Way too behind, way too light. Easy pick six. Same guy who got a pick six on Tua two years ago. Uh, so I was disappointed with that throw. But overall, it's weird to say, but you take those two interceptions out, I think this was, like you said, Tua's most mature game or smartest game he's played. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I think that those picks uh, were pretty inexcusable, especially in that position. But I think just as much so on McDaniel than on Tua. Um, I think that that's a position uh, you get the ball back up 10-0. I think that you need to do one of two things in that situation, at least if it were me. I'm either running the football or I'm throwing the ball over the middle of the field, downfield. I'm not throwing a quick out. I'm not throwing a ball that I think could be returned for points. Um, outs, there's always that possibility. I know Tua throws the ball really well um, in those routes, but I don't think you can even put yourself in that position. Uh, but Tua made a bad read. The Jets made a great play. Um, that Jets defense is not bad. Um, I just think that you saw them, at least their defense, uh, fold a little bit at the end. Um, and kind of that you could see them growing very, very frustrated uh, with their offense, and rightfully so. Um, but the defense, I could see them uh, this being the beginning of the end of what's going on in New York. Yeah, I don't think people realize either how good the Jets' defense is. Like, I, I, I don't even think I realized it, and I knew they were having a good year, but people were saying this is an historically good defense. Don't know if I go that far, but. This is probably the toughest defense we've played all year or will play, but they're very, they challenge you. Um, And I think last week and then this week as well, us and the Bills were the first teams to really challenge the Jets back. And you saw that getting punched in the mouth was starting to affect them. And of course, like you said, the offense is, has demoralized that team. Um, and I think, as I said beforehand to you, I think Robert Sala is a great motivator. I think he's a great defensive mind. But I think how he handled the quarterback situation after Aaron Rodgers got hurt, or as I think you will say, how the Jets handled the situation even with trading for Aaron Rodgers by even keeping Zach Wilson on the team was the wrong decision. But I think just how, even when they had a chance, how that play, how they treated that, will end up costing this job this year. I just think, and it's the same reason that Tim Tebow never got signed again, that Johnny Manziel never got signed again. When you're talking about your backup quarterback, your backup quarterback 
to never have any drama, any issues, any anything surrounding him. I just think that your backup quarterback should be a clean, smart, just good presence in the locker room. Uh, the guys are ready to see him go in. Need be can rally the troops if there's an injury because the time you're going to need the backup quarterback is the time you're going to need a leader. You're going to need a game manager. Um, that's why Gardner Minshew is so good in that role, and that's why the the Colts are a playoff team right now. If the season ended today, so I, I think that the Jets even keeping Zach Wilson on that roster um, set them up for failure, and is the reason, uh, like you said, that you think Robert Sala is going to lose his job. Um, I, I hope they fire him, uh, just simply because I like him as a coach. Uh, and I'd like to see the jets, um, make a decision that I think will set them back, uh, in their process, at least the short term. No, I agree. I've heard uh, ever since Friday, all I've heard people say is, well, we all knew Tim Boyle sucks. Like he wasn't even good in college. I think his stats when he was at UConn was one touchdown and 13 interceptions. And then he went to Eastern Kentucky or Eastern Carolina, one of those schools, and he only had 11 touchdowns and 13 interceptions there. So it wasn't like he was ever a good player. He's in the NFL because he is friends with Aaron Rodgers from their time in Green Bay. But everybody said you can't be mad at Tim Boyle. He shouldn't be in that. Such, he sh- he was never signed to be in the t- on the field. Rodgers got hurt almost almost three months ago. He got hurt the what the first week and second week in September and we're December first is on Friday. Like even if you think even if you want to say oh we we should have Zach as soon as Rogers got hurt, you should be signing a veteran to be a backup. They waited what over a month before they even signed Trevor Simeon to the practice squad. Could you imagine if the Jets had Josh Dobbs right now? Did. Could you imagine if they just re-signed Mike White? Could you imagine if they had just about any quarterback that's not Zach Wilson that the players could get behind? Yeah. Like, we, we, we could go down the list. Imagine if they had Jameis. Like, um, imagine if they had Derek Carr. Imagine, well, I guess they wouldn't have been able to get Carr, but a guy like Jameis or a guy like Heineke back when. I mean, you have an old quarterback. You're getting rid of Zach Wilson. You should be able to have somebody that you bring in just in case. Yeah. Like, the Dolphins have three guys. Yeah. It's malpra- It's a roster malpractice. I know a lot of people like Joe Douglas's drafts, and you look at them, they've been annoyingly good, but you got to get that quarterback position right. And... They didn't, and you really cannot come out and say, well, we're just going to punt on this year because next year we'll have Aaron Rodgers. What is it? He's 40, 41, 42 years old having like an Achilles tear. Even if he comes back healthy, it's no guarantee he's going to be what he was. But again, we talked about it. You sign Alan Lazard to an inflated contract because of Rodgers. It's a healthy scratch. You can't even use him. You sign Randall Cobb. Don't even use him. You sign former Dolphin Billy Turner. I think he's been benched, and he's been awful basically everywhere except his first year in Green Bay. Mackay Becton gets hurt, but he wasn't good. AVT, he gets hurt every year. He gets hurt every year, yep. Elijah Vera Tucker, who you drafted, he got hurt again. He's been hurt two straight years in the NFL. You're relying on a 40-year-old Dwayne Brown to be one of your starting tackles. Like, 
I'm going to say two things. Aaron Rodgers is an awful GM because you sign all these people because of them. I actually wouldn't be shocked if he told them not to sign an offensive tackle because he thought they could trade for David Bakatari, um, and that didn't go through. But either way, even if who? Aaron... <laughs> exactly. The left, the left tackle for uh, Green Bay from Colorado. Say his name again. David Bakatiari. Way better that time. Way better that time. Okay, thanks, Carry Zach. on. Thank Hi, you. Zach. Hi, Zach. Excited to see you this weekend, Zach. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They're going to get hit. And, yes, there is an off season. Well, you don't know who you're going to get a chance at. You will have a chance of probably one of the two top offensive linemen. You need more than that. Are you going to have? Are you going to give up draft assets for that? Do you have roster space to sign offensive line? Because Rodgers pushed his salary back. I think next year is where he takes up almost half of the cap. I could be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure next year is the big year yeah, for I think his next, contract. Next year is the big jump. So. It's one of those things you cannot just say Aaron Rodgers makes everything better. We saw it under Flores. When you have, like, as good as Tua was, if you do not have weapons, the quarterback is not going to look as good. If you do not have an offensive line, the quarterback is not going to look as good. If you have Aaron Rodgers' best friend, Nathaniel Hackett, as your offensive coordinator, who should be fired at the very least, even if Rodgers doesn't like that, you are not going to have a good offense. Like, this is the Jetsiest Jets thing ever, Jets. Yes. And I think that if they were going to be successful, this is the year it would have been. Yep. I think that they had their opportunity this year. Um, I think they knew that they were going to be in a Rams-like situation, um, but they kind of banked on it working this year. And like you said, the Jetsiest thing to ever Jets is it didn't work. And here we are. And it's amazing to see. And it'll be interesting to see what the Jets do this offseason um, and how they work themselves around it. Yeah, and I think you're also starting to see, you talk about the defense getting frustrated. I think you're also starting to see the only two good players on the offense, and Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall, also get frustrated. Now, how is Brees Hall going to feel that he's one of the only two players that can make a play on your offense? And you have Robert Sala coming out saying he's too worried about making a big play. What is that going to do for team morale? It's not going to be good. Um, I think that I don't, I don't know who the Jets will get if they let go of Sala. Um, I don't know where they go if they keep Sala. Um, I think as far as next year goes, uh, the Jets are in a, a tough spot. Um, and it'll be, there are a lot of different ways they can navigate. Uh, but they're going to have to navigate knowing that most of their cap uh, is going to be taken up by Rodgers. And unless they have some crazy uh, restructure that they do again, which will only prolong it and only continue this. I mean, you, you almost want to pay them as much up front as you possibly can um, and shorten the length of this issue. So it, it's going to be weird. They have to draft perfectly. Um, if they get rid of Joe Douglas, they have to draft absolutely perfectly. Um, if not, it's going to be fun for us to watch, at least. I will just say this. If they pass on either Joe Alt or Ola Fashanu, I will laugh my ass off. Oh, please. I hope they do. I hope they do, too. But I will laugh my ass off if they do. Um, 
that being said as well, I would definitely take Robert Sala as a defensive assistant next year if they were to fire him. Oh, for sure. I could see um, – I don't know if he'll take anything less than a defensive coordinator, um, but I could see uh, him being in a situation when Vic Fangio does leave. Um, I think the two names at that point that will be the next in line for defensive coordinator of the Dolphins – will be either Robert Sala or Ronaldo Hill. I think those will be the two guys that you look at and whoever the organization feels most comfortable with, more importantly, whoever McDaniel feels most comfortable with, uh, it'll be one of those two guys. No uh, vote of confidence for the lost member of Jersey Shore, Anthony Campanelli, after his uh, speech that was on Hard Knocks last week? I just think he's going to be a defensive coordinator next year. Yeah. Um, and I don't Fair think enough. Vic Fangio is leaving after this year. I don't see that being a one, one-time thing. Um, but I, I do think that Campanelli is a great coach, um, and I think he's a guy that at some point will be a head coach. Yeah. Now, Campanelli is a guy that I've liked since he was at Michigan, but I don't think I've ever really heard him talk until – like I, I did watch the Hard Knocks episode. I said I wouldn't probably not watch any of it, but I did watch the first one. Man – that dude is the personification of Jersey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he would make a good coach of, uh, of like, the Giants someday. Yeah, maybe the Jets will hire him, which uh, I don't want them to, but... Didn't he come sense. from the Jets? Wasn't he a coach of the Jets at one point? Uh, he was at Michigan. He was Michigan and Boston College. Oh, uh, maybe it was Boston College I was thinking of. Yeah, and it wouldn't have surprised me if you said it was Boston. But enough talking about the Jets. Let's go back to the uh, offense. We did talk a little bit about two earlier, as we said. It was the most mature game we thought he had outside of the picks. Um, I was glad to see us get back to the running game uh, with Mostert. And Will, Jeff Wilson, too, actually had a very good game. Uh, in my opinion, he had 11 rushes, 56 yards, so over five yards a carry. And just to kind of go with two as well, it was good. And Waddle and Hill were winning. We challenged and they were winning. Both had over 100 yards receptions, which was nice to see. But if we want to win in the playoffs, if you want to win in the winter, if you want to win in January, you got to start playing tougher. You got to win those matchups and be able to run the ball. Now, some of our short yardage calls were still a little iffy. But I did like that we showed that not only we could run, but we were able to run on a good defense with two backup guards and for a lot of the game, two backup tackles too. So I was actually very happy with the run game. And one thing I've always wanted to see is you cannot rely on your quarterback to be Superman every game. So I did like how the run game stepped up this this week. Yeah, the two guys that I want to point out, though, and, and want to talk about um, their performances and their performances compared to how they've been. Um, one is Jalen Waddle. Um, I think that it, it was nice. I think I've been saying for a couple weeks that I thought we were going to have a Jalen Waddle breakout game, um, and this was finally the one. Uh, he had a couple plays where he really uh, cooked Sauce Gar- Gardner. Um, and I thought it was great to see him have a breakout game. Um, and number two is Jeff Wilson. I thought that that was um, the best I've seen Jeff Wilson look um, this season. 
Um, and I think that Friday was kind of what you hope to see from Jeff Wilson moving forward. And I yep. think that if he uh, does have more of a role going forward uh, between Moster, between A-Chan, between Wilson, uh, you have a really good three-headed monster going into the playoffs. Yep. And also, let's shout out uh, Lester Cotton and Liam Eikenberg. They're not the greatest run blockers, although Ike did have a couple couple good blocks in the run game. Uh, Wilson, uh, Cotton, just I think the first game, play of the game, he got blown up. But luckily, there was a stupid personal foul in the Jets that didn't hurt that didn't hurt us and let us get a first. But those two did not give up a single pressure or sack on Friday, and they were going up against a really good offense uh, defensive line. So hats off, Ike has come a long way since that Bills game. Yeah, and I think that that was definitely the best game Ike has had um, in a game that mattered, I guess, in, in a position where um, we were worried about it. Um, but it, it's nice to see. It, it really just is. Um, and you just have to look at what that means going forward. You have an offensive line and you have a running game uh, that most importantly over everything, McDaniel's going to be comfortable deploying. I think a problem you see with a lot of teams is they go away from the run, especially in big games, because they're not very comfortable with it. And you see a team like Tennessee had some success uh, in multiple playoff runs just simply because they were willing to give Derrick Henry the ball um, and continue to pound the rock and be the more physical team and wear out the other team. So it's great to see. I'm sure McDaniel loves it, um, and everybody should love it because it's going to lead to success come January. One thing I would like to see, and we saw saw it for one play, Durham Smythe had a nice ten yard catch. I still wish we had that tight end in the middle of the in the middle of the field. I think that's just the one thing that's keeping us from going to that total like next level. Yeah, I think that that's going to be a priority this off season. I think it has to be, um, but I think that it's something that we need to do or we needed to do going into this season. Um, I would be interested to know uh, the conversations that were had, how we feel about the running back or the tight end room. Um, But right now it's definitely going to hurt us. Um, But I look for a guy like Claypool um, as the season wears on and we get to the end of the year uh, to maybe take up uh, some of that route tree and maybe run a couple more plays um, because he has the ability to block kind of as a tight end. Um, you have some in-house options. I think Ingold is going to be even more in the fray um, come playoff time. Uh, but, yeah, I, I wish we had uh, maybe Gronk wants to come out of retirement. Maybe. Maybe. I'll still, be, I'll still be saying this. And just to go back to Michigan-Ohio State game, Cade Stover for Ohio State. That is a tight end day, th- day two. Maybe not the second round, but third round, I am definitely looking at. He fits what we want to do to a T. He had a nice, I believe, a 30-yard catch against us in the first half. Just very smart. He's basically a sixth offensive lineman with very soft hands. That's someone I think as we get into draft season, I'll be I'll be pounding the table for. Yeah, I mean, it, we need somebody that can help us in that phase of the game. It, that's going to be, I think, when we get to the offseason, um, for me, priority one or priority two. Yeah, I'd agree. And of course, with this game, 
there's one other thing we absolutely have to talk about. We know Javon Holland's been having a very good year. The one thing that's been missing from his game is the big play, the game-changing play. I don't think I've ever seen a more improbable game-changing play as we saw on Friday with the I've seen two names. We can go you can either call it the Hell Mary or the Fail Mary. I well, love I both. Fail Mary. I think the Fail Mary was already taken. Um I think it was a Seattle game, wasn't it? Oh yeah, um, where the Hail Mary got used. Yep. Um the interception. So I like Hell Mary. Um I think that that's pretty funny. Um and I think it's it's fitting. Um and that was such a fitting way uh to kind of put a cap on what's been a miserable season so far for the Jets. Um, did you see, I think the funniest thing I saw from that was that it was uh, Tim Boyle's first touchdown pass in MetLife Stadium. I did see that. I did see that. Um, also, for anybody who hasn't listened, there's a YouTube channel called The New York Jokes, and it is a father and son who watch the game and just riff on the game. And their reaction to the play is one of the funniest things you'll ever hear, especially as a Dolphins fan. So I recommend everybody go look up the New York jokes on YouTube. But I do have to ask you, Jordan, at what point did you realize he was gone? I think when he got about to the 30-yard line is when I realized it was going to be really close because no one, no one was even near him at the time. So I just kept thinking as he took off, um, once he kind of – Started crossing the field very early on, like in Dolphins part of the field. Um, I think I realized there was a chance simply because it was a national game and it was the Jets. Like <laughs> they're the they're the one team more than the Dolphins. Like if it was happening to the like if the Jets intercepted a two a ball like that at the end of the half, I would also think that it was probably gonna go back. Because that's just something that happens to the Jets and the Dolphins uh, that we kind of share in common. And when we do it to the other one, it kind of feels cool. Um, but it was nice for this for this time uh, for it to be us that made the big play. And what it will probably be for the rest of Javon Holland's career, uh, a play that we talk about, no different than we talk about the Miami Miracle against the Patriots. Yeah. The Jets have the butt fumble on Thanksgiving. And they now have the Hell Mary on Black Friday. What a history for them on a holiday weekend. You gotta love to see that. Yeah. But also hats off to Christian Wilkins, who was blocking the hell out of Brees Hall on that play and pancaked him. Christian Wilkins, when he sits down to talk extension, should just show that play. Like, that man cares about the Miami Dolphins so much. He cares about his team winning so much. And he's the type of player that you win a Super Bowl with. I don't care what it costs. Christian Wilkins needs to remain a Miami Dolphin uh, or else we will have a huge hole uh, both in our defense and in the leadership of our team. He's the type of guy that you want uh, as the face of your franchise for a long time. He should be pretty much a Miami Dolphins lifer. Yeah. I have a feeling if they can't, come to an extension right away they're they're going to franchise him just to at least keep him and then talk talk extension again um but i remember when we drafted christian wilkins no one was really sure how good he would be but they were all like that is who you draft to build a culture and i think everybody was tired of hearing that because it's like that's just 
that's a nice way of saying he's not very good, but he will work hard. But man, he's, he's Christian Wilkins is one of the first players that the Miami Dolphins have drafted in a big spot that I've said that's a Miami Heat type player. Just a gritty, hard nosed, physical player that contributes to winning. He's also one of the very rare ones who, even in a contract year, betting on himself, working hard, and he is having his best year. He, he was getting better every year anyway, but he's already got a career high in sacks. I think he's at six and a half now. And yeah. I don't think anybody expected that. But yeah, do whatever it takes to re-sign him. I'm confident it will get done because Chris Greer, the one thing that you will always that you can never take away from him is if he if he has someone he thinks is irreplaceable, he will do what he can to re-sign him. Did it with Paul Sol? I don't know if Paul, Paul Solier may have been before he became the uh, GM. Same with Randy Starks, but he did it with Rashard Jones. He did it with Xavier Howard twice. So, if he thinks you are irreplaceable in the locker room. He'll do what he can to keep you. Sorry to Rashad Jones for Brett adding an R to your name. That too. But, uh, yeah. Is there anything else on that beautiful game that I'm sure, like me, you have watched the highlights of over 100 times, including the uh, pick six to Celine Dion music? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think the only other thing to note, um, like I said, I I think it was the most mature game the Dolphins have had. Um, I think it was what you want to see from the Dolphins over the next three weeks. Um, And then we start talking about fun. This reminds me of that stretch kind of where we had uh, the Broncos, the Giants, and the the, um, Broncos, the Giants, and the Panthers all in that quick little stretch there. Um, I think this stretch is just like that. If we can get to 11-3, and man, uh, we're going to put a lot of pressure on the rest of the league. Um, Having home playoff games – is so great for the franchise that deserves it. Um, and, and I just hope, I think the players themselves owe it to themselves um, to dominate these next couple weeks, uh, starting with this week in Washington. I believe I saw today our playoff percentage is at 99% and the division percentage is at 95. Yeah, it's Bill. on us. It's yeah. on us. We control our destiny. Um, and if we don't do it, uh, we can't look at anybody else other than ourselves and say that we blew it. Yep. I know yesterday, too, a bunch of us were in the Discord watching all the games. Everybody's focusing on that one seed, trying to get the one seed. They're focusing on those games. I'll get there. I will get there in a couple weeks. I'm slow playing it. Lock up the playoffs first. Lock up the division. And then we can talk about the number one seed. Yeah, you you want to... and. I know that people say we're fans. We can look past it. Uh, we can look into the future. Um, but at the same time, uh, you you have to take it one game at a time. I'll be willing to put it out into one stretch at a time. Um, so I'll take these next three games. Uh, but you can't start talking about the Dallas game uh, because you blink and we've lost two out of three and the Dallas game is for our lives. So... Um, take the Washington game, uh, which should be a game that you win by multiple scores. I um, mean, you go out there and you win the game by multiple scores. Yep. And just to talk about games we should win, we absolutely should. Dallas should have beaten Arizona. The Bills should have beaten the Patriots. The Bills should have beaten the Jets. They should have probably beaten the Cowboys. So don't. That's the thing with all the talk about 
the Dolphins have only beaten bad teams. Beat who you're supposed to beat. And then get the surprises afterwards. But we have not won a division title since... Well, just to give an idea. Jordan, the last time we won a division title, Tom Brady tore his ICL. None of the people involved with this podcast were old enough to drink legally. Um, was that the, uh, who was it? Matt Castle was the quarterback of the Patriots that year. Yep. That was the wildcat year. Yeah. That was one of my favorite years as a, as a child dolphin fan. Um, that was one of my favorite years. That was, that was a great year. It was fun. Uh, Sperano for all you could say about him. He had some creative plays in him, usually from the wildcat, but still. We had Patrick Cobbs going for over 100 total yards and two touchdowns against the against the Texans. I remember it's just just crazy stuff, and that that was you a lot of fun. Believe, you you alluded to it. You said nobody from this podcast uh, was old enough to drink. You best believe if we have a home playoff game, um, I will be having enough to drink to make up for the first however many years I went without it. Absolutely, and we'll get to that, and I th- I'm very confident in saying it'll happen. But now on to everybody's favorite part of the show where we add people to the list. Yes, it'll be people. Jordan, you and I agreed there are only two people who really should go on the list today, and it goes back to the Black Friday game, and it's the two people who did not pick us to win that game. Do you want to go, yeah. with the, go ahead with the roasting? Yeah, I, I'll start, and I'll let you finish. Um, two people who, honestly, when I turn on and you start seeing uh, people make picks before a game, before every game, everybody's making picks. And, you know, sometimes there are people, like when I see Rodney Harrison on NBC, I don't expect him to pick the Dolphins. Um, When I see a guy like Florio, I don't really expect him to pick the Dolphins. When I see certain other people, I don't expect them to pick the Dolphins. But two people in a game that was so obvious that the Dolphins were going to win the game, we were the much better team. The much better team. In a game where you expect people that are loyal to you to pick the Miami Dolphins on Amazon Prime Video right before the game started, two men. I will start with Tony Gonzalez because Tony Gonzalez is the less of the offender. Tony Gonzalez picked the Jets to win, okay? Tony Gonzalez, I am so glad that the Miami Heat cut you when you tried out for the Miami Heat. That They didn't want you because you wanted to be a two-sport athlete. You wanted to do the NBA thing, and the Heat said, no, you are not one of us. And you know what? Because of that, you were not bright enough to understand that the Dolphins were going to win against the Jets. You hated on Tua. You hate it on the Dolphins. So, Tony Gonzalez, you are number one on my list. But the real offender, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I called you Fitzmagic for years. I have talked you up for years. And just because a couple little kitty Jet fans asked you to sign a jersey before the game, you went and picked the Jets? You picked the Jets to beat the Dolphins? It's because you're blinded. Because Tua surpassed what you thought he was going to be. He surpassed you. He surpassed your tutelage. He surpassed Brian Flores. Ryan Fitzpatrick, you are now a bitter old man. 
Okay. Your beard is overrated. I think you're overrated. I think that you need to go back with Tony Gonzalez and just pledge your allegiance to the Jets. Okay. You deserve to root for Tim Boyle and Zach Wilson for the rest of your lives. The only explanation is that you're Jet fans. That's the only explanation to have gotten that pick wrong and be the only two dumbasses who went and picked the Jets. Tony Gonzalez, Ryan Fitzpatrick, for your sins, you have made the list. Yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick, when he did it, I kind of, I didn't really listen, but I saw it and I kind of felt that there, there was a little spite that the Dolphins decided to bench him for Tua. So I was kind of like, oh, that's disappointing, but whatever. But still, that was just dumb. Tony Gonzalez, though, that one was that pissed me off more because he had the audacity to pick us saying he expected the Jets to have the best game of their season because they were fighting for their playoff lives. They were fighting for their playoff lives. They didn't have playoff lives. They have Tim Boyle at quarterback. That's what I was getting at. They have Tim Boyle. You're not you're not fighting for playoff lives. They're what are they a four win team? I guess technically they're in the in the race, but. The, the Bills have, what, six wins? And they're in the 10th seed if there was a playoff. There, there's no fighting for playoffs lives. They would have fought for their playoffs lives before this. They basically have to go undefeated. I think they're closer to fighting for the, for the first overall pick than they are for fighting for, the, for a playoff spot. So it's just dumb. It's just picking to not pick the Dolphins and trying to justify it. Right. You're trying to go against the grain. Um, if that was any other team against the Jets, that would have been a sweep of a pick. I, I think that's dumb. I think it's dumb. I think they're very list-worthy. Um, people could say that decisions we make are list-worthy, not list-worthy. Um, people think other people should be on the list. Um, people think we should go um, and not put people on the list. Um, all I know is Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tony Gonzalez, you are well-deserving of being on our list this week. Yep. And I still will never forget how they handled Tua's concussion last year after the Bengals game. So this was a long time coming for both of them. But yeah, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Absolutely. But I think it's time for us to end this episode. Later on this week, it is championship weekend in college, which is going to be super exciting. We can get into a couple more rewards and all that good stuff. And of course preview the game Zach and Jordan will be going to unfortunately I will not be joining had some stuff come up that prevented me from getting a ticket but Jordan tell them what to th- what to look forward to well I still don't think it's out of the woods I think we're going to find a way to end up getting you to be there um so hold your horse on that uh, but me and Zach are still figuring out the logistics um a couple of us um, from the show, from our community, or going to the game. Um, it'll be fun to see um, what we produce. Um, we have our obviously our normal picks episode on Wednesday, um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Check out listpodcast.com. Um, I'm going to try to get an article up in the next day or so uh, about some candidates that would make sense in Carolina um, with the firing of Frank Reich. Um, and it'll, it'll just be a, a fun week of football, um, especially in college football, as we have championship Saturday coming up. And of course, Mr. S will have his picks again. Um, I know I give him crap for going uh, 0-6 his first week, but he has had a much better record the last couple weeks. It's all in good fun, though. I think this pat 
the last week he was one and five or something, or that might have been the week before. But Mr. S usually does give good advice when it comes to picks, so definitely be on the lookout for that. But for Zach and Jordan, my name is Brett. Remember, we are the list, and we are watching. Zach, hit that music. Sure.